You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. MLB, NHL Network's Adnan Verk, the host of the Cinephile podcast. I got some Oscar trivia for one Adnan Verk. You think sure you're going to get it out of the park. How many questions do you have? Just a couple. Because I'd like to I'd like to place a bet. That he's going to get like, both of them? Or it's only a couple of questions? I it's can literally add a just couple two? for sure. Okay. Like if you just set a line for me, then maybe it'd be fun for okay, everybody. Okay, well maybe I'll do that during the break and we'll figure it out. Sounds like a plan. Um, we're also um, giving away a pair of KISS tickets. We'll do that at 830. End uh, of the road world tour. Yes. I believe the Flames can make the playoffs like I believe in blank. I believe the Flames can make the playoffs like I believe in blank. 960, 960, name and location. There's some beauties already on the text line. Oh, yeah. We'll do that. And around 830, we'll also do Brody on the Beat, Canada's number one radio segment. Um, But one of our favorites on the line right now. Oh, we'll also do the snow show this hour, too, which is the highlight of my week every week. Thank you. Um, Frank Cervalli, NHL Insider Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank, good morning. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Are you getting some sleep now that the deadline's over? A little bit more. Not a whole lot. There's always a fire to put out somewhere, but it's pretty good. <laughs> um, speaking of fires that are, like, again, it's we're all looking towards the playoffs now. It's Playoff race is heating up. Down the stretch is going to be great. This expansion talks kind of caught me off guard. A little bit that Elliot and Jeff talked about Houston and I guess third time's a charm in Atlanta, potentially, Frank? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I covered many games in Atlanta of the thrash in front of a half full building. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's a hard no for me. And you guys have the original Atlanta team in your city. So two times, you know, two strikes, you're out, not three. Okay, uh, but but Houston's... But here, here's the news, though. Yeah, and okay. It's not really news. It's just that I've seen, like you guys, like Elliot and Jeff, the cryptic tweets. What is this? What are they trying to get at? The zipper-faced emoji. Oh, I can't tell you anything. It feels like we're 13 years old when I see these tweets from ESPN personalities, but they're <laughs> NHL rights holders, so surely they must know something that I don't. So I did ask... NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly yesterday for just some insight. What What's happening here that I don't understand? And he said, I don't know because our position here hasn't changed. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not making any judgment or slant any which way that anyone's saying about anything, but this is also the same posture that they took like three days before the Atlanta move to Winnipeg was actually formally announced. Nothing's happening. Nothing to see here. Move along. But I, I truly don't believe the NHL is ready to expand, is considering expanding. But I think what Bill Daly acknowledged in, in our exchange, and, and I wrote about yesterday on dailyfaceoff.com, is that they have received expressions of interest from interested parties in both Houston and Atlanta. What does that mean? Not really a whole lot because mm. they regularly receive expressions of interest from people all over the place. Hey, we'd like to put a team in Saskatoon or Kansas City or Portland or uh, give us six teams in Toronto. Like, I mean, they're always hearing from someone about something and they don't slam the phone down because why would you? These are important, wealthy people calling with interest in joining your league. And if it's not maybe in the way that they originally intended, as Mark Chipman in Winnipeg can attest, if they grow to like you, they will get you what you want. Mm. Not like the Jim Balsillie trying to force his way in the NHL a few yeah, that, years that ago. Yeah, that was the playbook on how to not do it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Blackberry. If you try and yeah. strong arm the league and strong arm the board of governors, they're yeah. going to boot you. You need to get down on a knee and kiss the ring. And if you do things properly and you have the right amount of coin, which as we've seen with some owners, namely a few that have been through Arizona and struggle to write $50 million checks per year in cash calls, if you have even somewhat close to the right amount of coin and you're willing to bail out a team, they're ready to accept you. I know Houston doesn't have a building, but is that the they ace in the building. hole? 
Well, not not for not for NHL. Like that after. Yeah, Toyota Center is actually one of the very few in in um in Houston, if that's what it's still called, that is actually equipped to have NHL hockey. Okay. Um. So, but where uh, the Rockets play? Sure. The the Houston Arrows used to be there. Yeah. Um. That that is an older building, though. If I correct it's, me. It's from. it's it's it would be in the middle half of the league in terms of age. Mm. It's like I think it's two thousand or two some somewhere in that neighborhood. It's two th- not oh three. Two thousand one is when they broke ground. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's definitely not too old. Um. Houston feels like the ace in the hole for Gary Bettman, though, doesn't it? Oh. If things don't work out in Arizona, it's like okay, we'll move to Houston. Don't have to jig around the divisions too much, and it's one of the biggest it's- markets in the United States. It's it's honestly, and that's the other thing I wrote about in the story is another reason they're keeping their ear close to the ground is there's a real chance that this Coyotes thing doesn't work out. And and I know everyone's sort of laughing like, yeah, you think? Um, but I mean, in terms of the actual vote that's coming in 59 days from today, the referendum on the ballot in Tempe, if that does not pass and by all accounts and the people that I've talked to that have boots on the ground, the opposition party, so to speak, the, the not coyotes party has done a fantastic job of mobilizing a get out to vote, to vote against this project. If it doesn't work, I have a, a a real feeling that the league is just going to, you know, pull up stakes and say, you know what, we've given this every opportunity that we can to put a team in this city We've, we've run through a number of different permanent arena solutions. We cannot continue to take the revenue hit of one team holding back 31 others. And we're going to just relocate. And like you said, Houston ready-made Toyota center has hosted hockey before you, you trade the fifth largest metropolitan market in the U S in Phoenix for the, for the fourth in Houston. So you get bigger. It's a transient market, as you guys know. Um, one of the few um, markets in the U.S. that you know the majority of sports fans there kind of come from somewhere else. It's it's a little bit like Calgary in that sense, and of course the oil connection between Houston and Calgary. Um, so it, it's it certainly is an interesting option and ready-made fit that if someone wanted to make this happen this summer, should the referendum not pass. Central Division, Central Time Zone, you can draw a line on mm-hmm. the map sort of between all the teams in the Central Division right down the heartland of the U.S. Uh, I know this isn't on on something that potentially would happen in the near future, maybe never happen, but what would be more likely, a team back in Quebec City or a second team in Toronto? <laughs> a second team in Toronto. I just think as as intrigued as the league would be about Quebec City, it's it really comes down to coin and we know quebec or media has plenty of it it's it's not just the expansion fee or relocation fee it's also the the population size 550,000 people is it'd be the smallest in the nhl by a pretty wide margin in terms of metropolitan area and then on top of that you're dealing with you know, income levels that are down a bit from some of the other markets as well. So it it becomes a pure math game. Could they support it? Maybe, but Mm. do you want to take the risk when you could just go to Toronto where there's piles of money everywhere in addition to to people that wealthy, wealthy people that want to buy the team and put it there? Frank, we have the GM meetings coming up on Monday, and I wonder if you think these might be a little bit contentious after the deadline with what we saw with Gavrikov, Boston and Columbus, or maybe what we saw with Meyer and and the package that he ended up going for, or what we saw with, um, there's one more here that was a a big one that people were very upset about as far as the price. The Jacob Chikrin one went on forever. The price eventually is what it is. How many times have we talked about him? I know. I've tried to I've tried to repress it at this point in yes. my mind. Um, but do you think that the meetings could be contentious just based on some of the things that went down at this deadline, how some of the deals were handled? Nah, the, it's never contentious. Um, it's actually really congenial. These mm. guys are hardly ever in a room together. Uh, and when they are near each other, most of the time they're competing. So there's a lot of friends in there. Um, and if anything, it'll just be an interesting debate. And I do think that that will be on the agenda in terms of 
what is a fair and appropriate, you know, setup and scheme moving forward to handle trade related protection for players because sitting out for, you know, three weeks almost is really not ideal. And, uh, and, and I'll be honest, there's teams that were in the Jacob Chikorin race. I don't even want to call it a sweepstakes because it sweepstakes don't take 15 months, <laughs> but they, they were in the mix and they said, you know what, it, especially with a player who's injury prone, a player who, you know, yeah, we're expected to have him for years moving forward, but we're acquiring this guy for a playoff run. Mm-hmm. If he sits for three weeks and the the remainder of the regular season is only six, how many weeks is it going to take this guy to get up to speed first? So if you need him to try and eke into the playoffs, it, it makes it even the math a bit harder. They just, they were concerned about the idea of how long is it going to take this guy to get up to speed. And lo and behold, maybe part of that is, is a bit overblown because Chickering steps right into the lineup the next day in New York at Madison Square Garden with the Sens and plays fine. The trade deadline the whole week was just absolutely wild. Um, now we are a week removed and, and I'm always curious by the what if question. Like, have you been able to track down any almost trades that might've happened at the deadline that didn't go through that might have some intriguing teams or names included? Yeah. Nothing related to Calgary, unfortunately, because I don't think they were ever really in the mix on a lot, but um, I think there's lots of talk about what really went down with the Canucks and JT Miller. Mm. They seem to be a bit further down the track with Pittsburgh than I think most people recognized. And and I know that their GM in Patrick Alvin tried to pour cold water on it, but they had gotten down to talking to talking to Pittsburgh, not just about, you know, the picks that would be involved, but also the player that would be in the mix. I believe it was P.O. Joseph. And in fact, like either the Canucks or the Penguins were talking to other teams about how do we move Jason Zucker's contract as part of this in order to make it work? It never got to a quote offer, I guess, if you want to talk semantics, because Pittsburgh, you know, sort of pulled back at a certain point and said, Hey, this is a really significant investment. Is this the best way to spend $56 million um, with JT Miller's next contract? And, and sort of lo and behold, like you watch the Canucks game last night and, Miller really seems to be a strong fit for for Rick Tockett's system. And on top of that, the Canucks wanted to get a center back in in return first before then deciding to to create a hole with JT Miller that might be difficult to fill. So that was one. Everyone was curious about what happened with James Van Riemsdyk and the Flyers. Um, that was simply a case of the Flyers overcooking the market. They should have moved him first. And... Other than that, there wasn't a whole lot that was sort of really talked about that never came to fruition. Frank Cervalli, uh, NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, joining us here on the big show, courtesy of South Trail Chrysler, uh, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Um, Frank, we're asking our listeners today, how, how hopeful or positive should Flames fans be of potentially getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs? Is the Jets the team that potentially you think could fade away here because their schedule is really tough with an Eastern road trip staring them in the face. And if Jacob Markstrom can play even 75% as good as he did Tuesday night in Minnesota, that maybe the flames do have a real legitimate chance here at getting into the playoffs. I still need to see a lot more from the flames. Like I know that they gutted out the back to backs and two sort of special moments from Tyler to for different reasons. Markstrom played so much better in Minnesota. Obviously it was probably his best game of the season. And, and not because of the shutout necessarily, but just the way that he was in the mix and, and continued to remain confident despite a barrage of shots at times. Um, I, I just, they've got a lot of work to do. Like, as we look at it right now at this exact moment in time, the model that I trust the most is hockeyviz.com, V-I-Z. And they have the Flames at 23% shot to make it. But I said... Earlier in the week, I was like, this team, talking to Pat Steinberg, they need to run off five straight wins before I can really think that they have an opportunity to to do the damage necessary to get in. Is Winnipeg the team that they could chase down? I, I would have said absolutely not, given 
the way Winnipeg started the season, but these last six weeks, they've sort of been wobbling a bit and the amount of goals that they've given up. I think they're in a spot where they've maybe ridden Connor Hellebuck a bit too hard. How many times has he played uh, back-to-back games, both sets? It's a couple times in the last number of weeks. And they were riding a 10 game stretch with 38 goals against no good. So they've shown signs of, of really struggling, obviously two, six and two in their last 10 and, and Calgary has shown signs of life. The problem is the math is still really daunting. Is there any team apart from the jets that you look at that could maybe fall out of this thing? No, no. I think the math is so well suited towards the Kraken. Like, Mm-hmm. Like, look at the Kraken, and they've already piled up 80 points. Yeah. They only need, like, 16 in their final 18 games to get in. And the Colorado Avalanche, like, they, would anyone be shocked if they reeled off 10 straight wins at some point? I wouldn't be. They continue to get healthier. They need a little help on their back end, which they're going to get soon. Uh, it's it's Winnipeg, and that's it. That's Calgary's shot. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you too, is there a chance you think the Stars in the Wild could hold off the Avalanche for top spot in the Central? I mean, the math would suggest yes, and the way Minnesota's playing of late, um, they're playing their best hockey of the year. They've picked the perfect time to do that. And I I still think it's, a, it's even saying all that about the math, I, I believe Colorado, they're going to win the West, I think. They're, they're way back. They've got a lot to climb but they've got some games in hand and I think they've got the fastest and scariest team as we've seen last year in the playoffs. They don't need to do it because that it's not going to change their chances to win likely one way or the other. But I think just in hearing Nathan McKinnon talk, even, you know, six weeks ago at all-star weekend, he was saying, can you imagine how bad this season has been for us? Everything that could go wrong has, and yet we still have a chance to win the central and win the West. Like, it's, it's in their mind, it's in their sights, and they have the second best or third best goal differential in the West. So um, I'd imagine you continue to extrapolate that out over 20 games left, a quarter of the season, they can make up some ground. Which team's more vulnerable in the Pacific in the playoffs, the Golden Knights or the Kings? The Golden Knights. Uh, they're, I'm surprised they didn't do more at the deadline. Like if you're, you take one of the most aggressive teams in the league the last number of years, and you give them nine and a quarter million dollars in Mark Stone's money to spend for the remainder of the regular season. I know that that limits you only basically to rentals because you have to deal with your cap situation moving forward next season. But to come through that with nine and a quarter million dollars and only add Ivan Barbashev and Teddy Bluger and, and Jonathan Quick, like, so a lot of people have been saying, hey, Frank, are you do you think the Kings are pissed that quick ended up with the golden Knights? And I said, no, they're probably laughing and not because they disrespect Jonathan quick, but they clearly think he's a third goalie in this league. So now they're saying, Hey, one of our chief competitions is playing a guy that we think is a number three. And you, you know, those are the two other pieces that you've, I like Barbashev. You know, I think he's a guy that is a nice complimentary piece, a worker, and Bluger is a smart guy who who couldn't score into the ocean this year. But that's that's what you do with nine and a quarter million bucks. Like I just, why didn't you do more? When you look at the East, do you think there's anybody that can knock the Islanders, the Penguins, out of a playoff spot? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Buffalo, Ottawa, and Florida. Like, look, it, those teams have all been, um, you know, sort of knocking on the door for a bit. You'd like to see some more consistency from Buffalo and Ottawa specifically, but you know Florida has sort of all of a sudden snuck back into this with a couple wins now, and Pittsburgh, they they've sort of they gave themselves a little bit of breathing room right before deadline day itself. The Islanders have played more games than everyone else, and you know I just look at both those teams. Pittsburgh's probably going to get in. Um, but the Islanders are sort of teetering right on that edge. And I wouldn't be surprised at all to see really Buffalo is the team that stands out to me. Um, they, they just, they've got the ability to score like so few other teams in the East. The issue with them has been keeping the puck out of their net. And if they can find a way to do that, I think they're going to grab that eighth spot. 
And I think what's scary for a lot of these teams, if you're if you're the Islanders or if you're Pittsburgh, is if we can't hold them off this year, what year are we going to get back into the playoffs? Hmm. Good point. Um, Frank, who's going to have a better year, the Sixers in the playoffs or the Phillies? The Phillies. Okay. Uh, the, the Sixers, I don't know. I, I like watching them. They have talent. They don't really feel like a team, though. And the Phillies, they've got a monster lineup. And I just wish uh, Andrew Painter, their 19-year-old pitcher, didn't go down with this elbow injury. He sort of seems like the next coming, a special, special prospect that was supposed to be in their rotation at such a young age. He's already hurt in spring training. But that lineup, once Bryce Harper comes back from mm-hmm. his injury sometime in May or whatever, look out. That division, though, boy. Eh, whatever. There's so many wild card spots now. Who cares? The okay. Phillies went to the... World Series last yep. year in a wild card spot. Yeah, the Braves and Mets uh, looking poised uh, to be World Series contenders too. All right, Frank, uh, great job as usual. We'll talk to you next week, pal. Thanks. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. There's Frank Cervalli, NHL Insider Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Yeah, Houston's like the the ace in the hole for. Oh yeah. And all that talk uh, that Frank was was mentioning about the arena and the issues that the Coyotes makes me feel good about my Eric Francis stake bet that we have a bet that, and it's years down the road, um, which arena team, which team will play in a new arena first, the Coyotes in Arizona or the Flames in Calgary? So if the Coyotes are moving to Houston, I automatically win the bet. Did you Did you specify Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. Important specification there. Yeah. Just want to make sure. Yeah. That would be a win then. I have faith. Man, like, listen to Elliot and Jeff. They also brought it up and and mentioned, hey, it wouldn't be out of, it wouldn't be totally crazy that it happens this summer. They just say, oh, referendum didn't work. This thing's done. Kaput. See ya. We're going to Houston. Now, the question is, as much as the arena is built and it can handle NHL, uh, They'd have to build a new rink. That's what Elliot was saying. Well, he Hence was why that I mentioned that to Frank. When the NHL has gone and talked to the people from the Houston Rockets who run that building, they have been very underwhelmed. Hmm. It's an older you don't building, hear. man. It's, yeah. it's 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 got, not, yeah. It's it's like look at Atlanta, man. Years old. They just cycle through arenas. There's no way they should go back to Atlanta. No way. Oh man, you want to talk about a soulless sports city? Atlanta's near the top of that list. What about Kansas City? Their arena is owned by AEG, I believe, and that's a big partner with the NHL. So Kansas City has obviously always been a spot I could also see, but I think they want Houston over yeah. Kansas City. Unless they get Pat Mahomes involved uh, in some sort of ownership group. That's a thing. Or even Travis Kelsey. Yeah. But what about in Quebec when they built that new arena? A Videotron thinking, Center. Not enough people. Yeah. Not thinking, a big enough market. Thinking that, uh, yeah, we're going to get an NHL team. Whoops. Oops. Much like the city of Hamilton built Cops Coliseum thinking they're going to get an NHL team. And that thing only housed AHL and junior hockey for years and years and years and years. But also one of the greatest hockey games in Canadian sports history, the 87 Canada Cup. Rescue to Lemieux. Need a good building for that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, again, I I just don't see Quebec City ever getting a team. Plus it's the corporate money. Quebec's just a small city. Yeah, it'd be nice to have the Nordiques back. I get it. All the all the Canadian it team. It would be vibe. the smallest market in the NHL. Yeah, I just I just don't see it happening. And if they put a second team in Toronto, talk about Clippers vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred percent. It'd be like great. There's another team in Toronto. It would take decades for them to build up a good fan base. Decades. And the <sighs> Leafs would have to continue to suck and lose in the playoffs in the first round for people to go. I'm tired of this. I need to start cheering for the other Toronto team. Otherwise, they're the Clippers. I'm. I would totally agree with you. Yeah. Like getting, like the thing about Leafs fans, man, is we've talked about it before. They love their Leafs. They only care about the Leafs. Like even, they don't care about the rest of the league. Even when they come out to Western Canada and live here, they never change their team. No. So why do you think that putting a second team in Toronto is going to force that many people yeah. to say, "Well, it, I'm switching my fan." It would be more of a Southern Ontario thing. True, but my point then you would be like, like London, most of those people are probably already Hamilton, Leafs fans. Right, Mississauga, but all of those people who are Jaden Leafs fans could potentially jump on that new Toronto team. Because there's enough Have population. you ever tried to like switch your fandom? It's not easy. I tried to do it. I tried to get away from the Bengals. 
I tried to quit them. I couldn't okay. do it. I thought you were going to say the Flames for a second. No, I never did that. Okay. Um, straight I'm ahead. An unbiased member of the media. Okay, I like that. Um, Adnan Verk, NHL MLB oh, Network host. I wink, Cinephile podcast. Radio. It's true. Mm. Um, Cinephile podcast. Straight ahead. Talk about the World Baseball Classic. Talk about those Jays. The pitch clock. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun stuff. And I'm going to give him a little tiny Oscar quiz. Yeah, I a like it. Tiny Oscar quiz. And we're also um, and we'll also do the snow show. It's yeah. all straight ahead. It's, it's the set. big show. I got it. Let's do it. Can't wait. Big show. Russell and Rose. Sports at 960. The fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The top of the hour, Brendan Parker, Flames TV host. Tee up that game against the Ducks, which, oh man, is a must win down at the Dome tomorrow night. Friday night action. Hey, oh, yeah. Friday, Sunday night. Okay. Weird. Very. Sure. Seven o'clock start on a Sunday. Yeah. Ugh. Against the Senators. Ugh. Hopefully there's some juice in the building. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because right now it doesn't sound like there will be, but hopefully there is. Friday. Ducks. Yeah. Hate the Ducks. Yeah. Sure. Um... That'll that'll be interesting. Um, we're also taking your text messages to win a pair of tickets to Kiss. I believe the Flames can make the playoffs like I believe in blank. I believe the Flames can make the playoffs like I believe in blank. 960-960. We'll do that at 8.30. We'll also do Brody on the beat at 8.30. And later on this hour, we'll do the snow show with our Matthew Rose. But right now, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline from the NHL and MLB Network, and the Cinephile Podcast, who say good morning to Adnan Verk. Adnan, how are you? George, Matty, good morning, boys. How are we doing? We're good. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the uh, choose your own adventure. Do you remember those when you were in elementary school? I love that. You're reading the book, choose your own adventure. One time you can go down a raft, otherwise you can go in a cave. Love a good choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Turn to this page if you're doing this. Yes, yeah, it's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some Oscars trivia for you. Do you want to do it now or at the end of the interview? Mm, I think we'll do it at the end. Because okay. if I do well, I'm just going to coast and mail it in. And if I do poorly, I'm going to hang up. So we'll okay. I like that. I like oh. that rationale. Very, very smart. Um, <laughs> what have you thought so far of the World Baseball Classic? I, I love it, man. I, here's the thing. It's been a long time. You and John Morosi. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, me yeah, no, you're right. Morosi is the absolute commissioner of the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> he, he he literally ponders over, thinks over, is infatuated by it. I said to him, it must feel like Christmas for him. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, if there was Christmas stocking World Baseball Classic, Morosi would have those. But, you know, Japan won the first two. Uh, Dominican Republic won the, the 2013. And then the USA won in 2017. So the fact that Mark DeRosa, of course, our buddy at MLB Network, uh, one of the uh, stars at MLB Central, is managing Team USA, obviously, invested in that. But of course, obviously, they don't want Team Canada to do well. We've never gotten out of the, the group stage. So it's it's going to be a challenge, obviously, for us being in the same group as the U.S., but then also Mexico as well. So um, listen, our, our Super Bowl is going to be Tuesday night at 10 o'clock Eastern. God, if Canada could beat USA, it would be amazing. Um, but I think overall, when you look at the odds, the Dominican Republic is favored. I think it's like plus 210 on MGM, that MGM odds. Um, you know, USA is, let's say, plus 250. And Japan's there plus two seventy five. I looked at Japan's group and I'm like, it's ridiculous. Like I think Czech Republic is in there. Like they they are not going to be tested coming out of the group stage. So Japan has a very easy path. But as you guys know, this is the true sprint, not a marathon. I mean, it's single elimination after you go to that group stage. The entire tournament wraps up, I believe, March twenty first. Like it's pretty rare you can say like think of March Madness. You know, that has a lot of buzz and sure it goes two and a half weeks, but this is even less than that. Like it started yesterday. And the World Baseball Classic will be over in like 12 days. It's crazy to me how, how quick it is, but um, I think it's going to be fun. What have you made of some of the new rules as uh, spring is well underway here? Well, I think so far it's working out, Matt. You know, they've got to speed up baseball. Everybody knows that. And mm-hmm. so far, you know, the games are around two and a half hours, which has been great news. But as my buddy Jim Kirchner was saying, it's not necessarily faster is better. It's certainly more efficient. But just because the game's faster doesn't mean the games are going to be better. So I'm I'm hoping it will be quicker games, but also more compelling games. But by the same token, if it's a dog of a game, it's better if it goes quicker than it goes longer. So 
Um, you know, I, I think the whole key is it's not just the time of the game. It's the action within the game, right? There's too many walks, too many strikeouts, too much standing around. There's, you know, it's just, just too sedentary as a sport compared to where it was in the 80s and the 90s. So hopefully we'll just get more hit and runs, more stolen bases, obviously no more shift, just more offense in general. Although I don't know. Like I think in some ways the pitch clock may help the pitcher. Like if he's mm-hmm. in a rhythm in a tempo and then all of a sudden the hitter can't step out and scratch himself and look around at the crowd, well, no, you got to get back in the box. It's going to help that pitcher. So it's ironic that I think the rules are designed to help offense, and yet depending on who's pitching that day, I think it's going to really help the pitcher. If the back Scherzer and Adam Wainwright, if those guys are rolling, they're going to know how to control the clock. But ultimately, baseball's plan is make the games quicker. So far, that has happened on a resounding level. Like, it's going to be crazy when March 30th starts and a 105 game Eastern is done at 335. Like, it's going to be two and a half hours, and away we go. So I, that's the plan, and that's good. But I, like I said, I hope the games themselves are good, not just the pitch clock. It's pro sports, so if you're not looking for an edge, you're not doing it right. But in that vein, have you been impressed by how quickly the pitchers have been able to almost weaponize this and and turn this into an advantage for them over the batters? Well, that's the story Tim Kurtz was telling me the other day. He was saying that, you know, a, a, a young rookie stepped in the box with like 18 seconds left in the clock. And Max Scherzer was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. He literally stared the guy down for like 14 seconds. Huh. And he was, it, 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 it weaponized is the right word for it because clearly Scherzer was able to use it to his advantage. He's like, oh, my God, I've got so much time to play with now to make these guys uncomfortable and, and kind of dictate the flow of the game. And, you know, the one, the one thing I've seen a lot with the hitters just adjusting to is trying to just be set and alert in the box with eight seconds to go. That, that's what seems to be the trick. It's not that they're out of the box wandering around. It's just you're supposed to be alert and ready to go with eight seconds to go, and then the pitcher can deliver that pitch. I've seen more than a few violations on that, so hopefully they'll clean it up uh, come opening day. You, you think the balls are going to be juiced this year? I, you know, I, I think you know, what they're going to do is, uh, no, to answer the question, I think what they're going to do is say, listen, hopefully these changes are going to impact things. You always see in April, George, hey, offense is down, what's going on? Well, it's cold. Don't worry, once the weather warms up, the offense will be there. So I, I think April, everyone's going to be kind of cautious and say, okay, let's first focus on length of time. If the games are quicker, two hours and 40 minutes being the goal, that would be fantastic. And then hopefully the offense will come once the weather warms up. Um, when it comes to the Blue Jays, I'm, I'm sure there's still a lot of fans who are just bitter on how things ended last season. A lot of expectations that debacle against the Mariners, how they went out of the postseason. But I kind of like the moves they've done this offseason, and I feel like it's it's a deeper team, maybe not as good offensively, but they're certainly going to catch the ball better, and they're certainly going to probably pitch the ball better. Um, are we, I know it's weird to say, are we sleeping a little bit on the Blue Jays heading into this season? No, I don't think it is weird, George. You're right. I think because what happened is a year ago, all the expectations seemed to be there. And Toronto did make the playoffs, but they were behind the Yankees. I mean, they clearly were not nearly as good. And the Yankees, for good reason, still have a swagger about them because they won 99 games. They've got number 99, Aaron Judge back, and they added Carlos Rodon, who's been a top 10 pitcher the last two years in baseball. So, you know, I think for a good reason, the Yankees are favored. The Rays are just always in the mix, especially, which is ironic for them, their starting pitching is really good. Normally, you always think of their bullpen, but their, their Rays starting pitching is very good. And so the Jays are like, oh, I know the Jays are good, but hey, you know, it's almost like you're kind of looking for another storyline rather than focusing on what's right there in front of you. And I'm with you that Toronto clearly looked at run prevention more than anything. And you're going to lose the big bat of Teoscar Hernandez, but you beefed up the bullpen a little bit, trying to give Romano some support. And Dalton Varsho, to me, is going to be a really interesting player to watch. You know, seeing him in the spring training so far, he seems like he's excellent defensively, a real dirt ball in the, the kindest sense of that word in baseball terms. He's a gamer, will go after everything and can hit a little bit. So I think... And obviously, Kiermaier is a massive move in terms of run prevention. He's not going to hit much, but he's tremendous defensively. We've seen that for years in center field with the race. So I'm with you. I think Toronto clearly said, hey, let's focus on run prevention rather than scoring so many runs. Let's let's beef that up a little bit with the bullpen and with our defense. And and maybe that will bear fruit. Um, But I think ultimately, they know where where their strength lies. They have to have big years in the likes of Vladi and Bobuchet and and they're starting pitching. I mean, Barrios to me, it's a critical season. Like he really has to step up. Mm-hmm. They don't give a guy 130 million dollars unless they think he's going to be a real answer. And you're you're a number three guy. Like that's that's a lot of money for a number three starter because of the fact that Manoa and Gosman look ready to go as one and two. So I think it's a it's a big year for Barrios and um, Kikuchi as well. I mean, God, he was horrible last year. He's looked great so far this spring. 
that would really help fortify those starting ranks. It's his beard. Uh, he's Bizarro Kikuchi with that evil beard. Um, adding in. That's, that's why he's pitching better uh, right now. Um, it's not even him. Yeah, it's, it's Bizarro Kikuchi. Um, the Red Sox here, too, before we get to some fun Oscar, Oscar trivia. Um, the Red Sox, I, I feel like uh, the Orioles... Probably gonna they have a they have an upward trajectory here. The Rays are annoyingly the Rays, and like you mentioned, the Yankees and their ridiculous payroll and and always a behemoth in this division. What's your read on the Red Sox? Because I have no idea what they're doing or what their direction is. Well, they're probably going to be last place in the division. Best case, they're fourth place. I mean, I I think it's a really clear that it's Yankees, Jays, and Rays. But the Orioles are going to be good, and they're going to be improved from a season ago and. There are at least 500, maybe 85 wins and pushing for a potential playoff spot because their young players are so talented. Allie Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson among them, which leaves the Red Sox. And, you know, Alex Cora can always work some magic, but he's going to have to work some miracles here. They're going to still score runs. I mean, they were top 10 offense, I think, of majors a year ago. And even with losing Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez, I do think that, you know, obviously Devers is a great player and, and listen, in that ballpark, Justin Turner coming over, they're always going to score some runs. But their pitching could be an absolute shambles. I mean, you, you lose Nathan Evaldi, <laughs> who wasn't always healthy either. Chris yeah. Sale, you have not been able to count on at all since he signed that massive contract. And you're expecting him to be the ace. Corey Kluber is the number two former signing award winner, but he's not a guy who's, you know, he's like a four and a half ERA guy at this point in his career. Yeah. And after that, you're just hoping for success. Garrett Whitlock was terrific in the bullpen for them. They're hoping now he's going to be in the rotation. Brian Bay is another young guy trying to put him in the rotation. Like you could, you could feel like this is another classic Red Sox season where they're trying to win games 10 to eight, except now they don't have Bogarts and JD Martinez. So the offense isn't as good as they thought. So in terms of a plan, I, I think Red Sox fans are, are going to be frustrated. I, I can't see this team being better than 75, 76, 77 wins. I mean, I know the whole division's great. And by the way, this will help the Red Sox less intra-division games, right? They're going from 19 against the Yankees to 13. So that does help them in less mm. games in the division. But as far as a plan moving forward, it, it, it's going to be a tough year, I think, for Boston. Okay, Elliot, I just wanted to ask you a hot National League talk because the city of Calgary loves the National League. Oh, yeah. Um, which, which team's more fun or going to be more fun to watch, the Mets or the Padres? I think it's the Padres. To me, that they've been the story of this offseason. Like they are just spending money like a drunken sailor. It, it is, it is fun to see, and it, it's funny if you don't really, you know, pay much attention to these things. San Diego is like number twenty-seven, I yeah. think, in terms of population in America. Like it, they're spending money like they're a top three market. Like they're the Mets or the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Cubs. Like it's wild, and they finished twenty-two games behind the Dodgers. Impressively pulled off that upset. And now, for many, they're the favorite in that division. And I don't know if I'm going quite that far yet. Like, 22 games back of the Dodgers. I don't know if they've cleaned it all up. But L.A. is weakened by their starting pitching. Tyler Anderson's no longer there. They're expecting a lot at Arias and Gonsolin. <coughs> Excuse me, Clayton Kershaw at this advanced age. And obviously, they've lost Bellinger, who's not as great. But Trey Turner is a big deficit for the Dodgers going to the Phillies. And San Diego, well, all they do is say, okay, let's lock up Machado. We got Bogarts, who we're going to sign into his 40s as our new shortstop. Tatis will be back April 20th, now playing a new position in right field. And you're getting a full year of Juan Soto. You've got a closer who is going into free agency after this season. Like, you've got very well-motivated players all over the place. And even, mm-hmm. like, spare parts, like a Matt Carpenter's utility guy. Nelson Cruz is a veteran DH, can help mentor some of these guys. I mean, San Diego, I think, is just going to be a ton of fun to watch. I mean, it's... Um, them and the Mets, it's a great question because they're both going to be must-see TV, but I'll go with San Diego. And, and I love Steve Cohen's like, um, our scoreboard's not big enough. We need a bigger one. And he just went and bought a bigger one. Like, how awesome is that to be a Mets fan? <laughs> just like going to Walmart. And I, and I love how all the owners are like, hey, stop spending so much money. It's like, shut up. You're making us look poor. Yeah, the guy doesn't even care. He just wants to win a world championship for the New York Mets. That's good for the sport, I think, ultimately. A sport I prefer with no salary what the cap. A's do. Yeah, and the Rays. Yeah, it's really Sign exciting baseball. Yeah, pitching and defense. That's how you win. I want a payroll as big as my yearly salary, and that's it. Listen, if it, it, add in, is there anything better than breaking down which ring is what base at the trop? <laughs> you hit that ring, it's a oh. double. You hit that ring, it's a home run. That's a great ballpark they got there in Tampa Bay. Fair right. rules. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Like there's still a, a team in Tampa Bay. Like they're they're <laughs> yeah. never going to show up at that park. No, nope. they're going to build a new park, and yet somehow, some way, 
They're going to win 90 games. We'll look at that yep. eyesore come playoff time. Yep, it's true. Um, Adnan Verk, MLB, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. Joining us here on the big show, Russell and Rose. Sports at 960, the fan. He's on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The 95th Academy Awards goes down um, Sunday. Jimmy Kimmel is going to be hosting it. I'm sure uh, there'll be a lot of uh, political undertones like there usually is in the Oscars, uh, Adnan, because uh, people in Hollywood are just like you and me when they have their political statements and their $150,000 grab bag they get at the end of the show. But whatever. They're just like you and me, Adnan. It's the same thing. They're just like you and me. You ready to do some Oscar podcast? Uh, Oscar questions? You ready for I this? Can't wait. I uh, can't wait. Matt, do what it. do you think the chance of Adnan goes at least like 80 to 90 percent here. How many questions do you have? Three. Three? I'm going to say he gets two of three correct. Okay. Are, are you ready for this, Adnan? I think these are fairly easy gonna, for a I'm movie buff like you. Okay. I'm going to also say I get two out of three. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Throw um, one for me. Three sports films, Adnan, have won Best Picture at the Oscars. Which three films are they? Okay, so I'm going to call Million Dollar Baby a sports film because I'm boxing it, but I'm not sure if you're going to. Okay, good. Um, okay, it's interesting. Well, it's obviously not the likes of like the Caddyshacks and Major League or Raging Bull. Um, it's Best Picture, you said? Yes. Okay, it's not the longest yard. Uh, Proud of the Yankees? No. Nope. No. The longest yard um, with Adam Sandler didn't win Best Picture? Well, there's also the. Are we sure about that? There's, can there's we also the original? Can we double? Yeah, but yeah. can we double check that the Sandler yeah. one didn't win? Little Nicky won the Academy yeah. Award that year for yeah. Adam Sandler. Fields. Yeah, <laughs> I like the stalling you're giving me. Uh, it was not Field of Dreams for nope. Best Picture, obviously. It was not The Natural. No. Nope. Because uh, who doesn't bleed through their uh, uniform through the ribs while they're doing a plate appearance? Anyway, sorry, more stalling yeah. for you. No, I'm giving up. What do we got? Come what on. Are the other One's two? really easy, Adnan. I thought you were going to hit this one oh, right away. Rocky. 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 Sorry, sorry. Rocky. Sorry, sorry. Rocky. Rocky, of course. Yeah. Rocky, of course. Yeah. You, you don't yeah, know the Rocky other one? We got. What else? Chariots of Fire. Oh, wow. A running. Okay. No, you're right. That is typically a sports film. Yeah. Great, great score by Vangelis. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Well uh, Chariots of Fire. Okay, here we go. This is tough. I think you need to get at least five of these. Or uh, no, I'll say six of the nine. And I'll give you a check mark for mm. it. Nine sequels have been nominated for Best Picture, including this year's Top Gun Maverick. Give me at yeah. least six of the eight, Adnan Verk. Okay. Uh, Godfather 2, obviously. Yep. I'm just thinking of the best sequels ever. Terminator 2, I don't believe, was nominated for Best no, Picture. Sir. It's a great sequel. Uh, Back to Future 2 is obviously not nominated for... Um... Okay, sequels. <laughs> I'm going to get six of the nine. Uh, Empire Strikes Back was not nominated. No, None of the Star Wars films nominated for Best Picture. No. None of the Marvel movies. No, no, those types of franchises. Um, I don't know what era it's just. Is, is Avatar up uh, this no, year? Rocky II. Uh, Avatar Rocky is. Two? Give Matty Rose a, uh, a ding. There you go. Uh, you said Rocky II? Yeah. Uh, I- Rocky II, no. Two Towers. Uh, okay. Yes! Give Patrick Dumont. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, Two Towers and Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Oh, both of them. Okay, so a couple of Lord of the Rings there. Okay, that helps. Uh, I feel bad that I'm putting you under pressure for this. Yeah, because I'm thinking like the best sequels, like I said, like the T2, The Empire Strikes Back, Mad Max Fury Road. Yes! Nice. Nice. That's a good pull. Also such a good movie. That's a good pull. Sadly, yeah. Godfather uh, 3. <laughs> yep. Godfather 3. Oh, Patrick yeah. Dumont. And, about, and, uh, no. Paddington, Paddington 2 is not nominated. It's critically <laughs> no. adored, but I don't think it's up for the picture. No. <laughs> Those love it. Uh, a couple of the next two I don't think you're going to get. Uh, this one is from way back in the 1940s when they went to the old talkies. Uh, the Bells of St. Mary's is one of them. <laughs> Oh, my God. Bing Crosby. That's unbelievable. Yes. I think Bing Crosby. Wow. Yes. Good yeah. call on Bing Crosby. And uh, Toy Story 3. <laughs> Toy Story oh, 3. Oh, that's a good one. Wow. All right. Okay. Wow, I'm 0 for 2. Toy Story 3, <laughs> very good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I feel well, bad now that I've asked you this question. So the, here's the final one. This is tough. Which two films have won three acting Oscars? Which two films... 
have won three acting Oscars. We could get it this year with everything, everywhere, all at once. But there's two films right. in Oscar history that have won three acting Oscars. What are those films? And can you name the actors oh, and really man. impress me? Wow. Jesus. Okay. Well, it's not The Sons of the Lambs. So that's got two of the three, Hopkins mm. and Foster. No. It's not The Godfather. Let's try Godfather 1. That's Brando. No. Supporting actor, no. It's not. Godfather 2, that would be Pachuma did not win, no. No. Three of the four acting Oscars. Oof, man. Uh, I'll take a hint. Can I get a hint? <laughs> give me a um, Give me a... Uh, one is gone. from... Okay, I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a hint. One is yeah. from the yeah. early 1950s. <laughs> And the other okay. is from the early 1980s. Let's try the 1980s. So that's, you know, it's not Raising Bull is 80, 81, Chariots of Fire, 82. Sorry, 90. sorry. My, my bad. Yeah, 1970s. Yeah. Mid 1970s. My apologies. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, Cuckoo's Nest was 75. That's Nicholson and Louise Fletcher, but I don't think they're supporting. Oh, uh, Network, baby? Yes! <laughs> Yeah, that'd be. Okay. Can you sure. name the three actors? Sure, I, that I can definitely do. Faye Dunaway for Best Actress. Yeah. Peter Finch for Actor. Beatrice Strait for Supporting Actress. Wow, nailed it. No problem. Do you have any choice? Yeah. Do you have any chance the other one was 1952? Do you think you can get it? Uh, yeah. Streetcar Named Desire. Yes, <laughs> you're a stud. Yes, <laughs> Brando, of course. Uh, no. Uh, no. No, no, it's the other one. It was, sorry, it was uh, Blanche Dubois. Don't tell me her name. God, I see her face. Uh, Carl Malden was also yes! in the film. Okay. Carl Malden. Yeah, Brandon was not, did not win for Streetcar. God, don't tell me her name. Blanche Dubois, I see her face. Vivian Lee. Yes! Unbelievable. And there's one more. <laughs> you got to be joking me. Yeah, the, one, it's, the other one I'm not going to get, but it's, it's supporting actress. I'm not going to remember. Malden's supporting actor. Brandon yep. was the lead. You're a stud. Vivian Lee's actor. I, yeah, supporting Kim actor. Hunter. Candy, maybe? No? Kim Hunter. Kim Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, that's right. yeah. Okay. Kim Hunter. Again. I remember. <laughs> yeah, 1952. Um, I heard. Uh, we heard the clip of you discussing our show on your podcast, and thanks for the shutout. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. After what Chris Rock did, <laughs> I don't think they're going to the be hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was funny because I thought it was a great pick by you, George. Just going in, you go, God, that is such a contrived, made-for-TV event. Oh, yeah. The Oscars need numbers. And Rock hadn't said anything. So, you, go, you know what? I, I do think maybe he's over or he wants yeah. to move past it. And then we saw that Netflix special. Go, no, no, he's still scorching <laughs> yeah. He eviscerated him. And Jade is not happy either, yeah. apparently. Though she continues to not no. be happy. Uh, in all of this. Although I did see some articles saying that, that the guy that Jada cheated on with, apparently he found it pretty funny. So that's the well, one person that was entertained by all this. That was the guy who was cuckold. Plus, plus, plus he probably got a sandwich made by her because it was his son's friend. So what's the difference? Oh, Thanks, Mrs. Smith. Oh, um, um, Adnan Verk, NHL MLB Network host. <laughs> <laughs> that lemonade's delicious. Um, Adnan Verk, NHL MLB Network, host of the Cinephile Podcast. Uh, Adnan, he's going to come up here and slap you in the mouth. Oh, watch out. (laughs) Uh, Get out of my your mouth. (laughs) Um, Atlas Pizza, because we all thought it was fake, but no, it was real. Uh, Adnan, terrific stuff. Enjoy the Oscars, pal. We'll talk soon. George, Matty, thank you so much, boys. Be well. Uh, Again, he he nailed that. that. That was tough. Some of those were tough. Dude, the names is the one where I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, or he nailed like Peter Finch, Faye Dunaway, and Beatrice Strait. Yeah, yeah. I knew. See, again, he's a stud. Yep. I knew he started off slow, but he finished super hard there. You know what it was? I think even even I didn't get a little nervous. Like when you get put on the spot with some of that stuff, your brain starts running a million miles an hour. You can't filter out the information that you actually need. Mm -hmm. And then you just panic and you just don't say anything when you're interviewing Shai Davidi. Remember when that happened a couple yep. weeks ago? That yeah, happens. That happened to me. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. She happens, happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um, but you know what you're the Pardon? best at? What's that? The snow show. Oh, boy. D- well, I can't do the tag until I get my bed. You got the... Yeah. The snow show is brought to you by Ski West. With Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff, Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or Airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. 
Taking a look at the mountains in Alberta, Sunshine Village. No new snow in the last 24 hours. They got a 60-inch base. 130 of 145 trails are open, and all 11 lifts open as well. Uh, at Sunshine, it's backcountry avalanche days. Learn about snow safety equipment while self-guiding in-resort displays and virtual webinars. Saturday is also a day for Jake as they celebrate the legacy of snowboard pioneer Jake Burton Carpenter, that at Sunshine. At Nakiska, they got a 29-inch machine-groomed base. 65 of 75 of their trails are open and four of their six lifts. It's also Atco Music Weekend, live music on the mountain on Sunday. That'll be plenty of fun. Plus, the Atco Blue Flame Kitchen going to be on location as well. At Mount Norquay, a 46 to 84-inch powdered-based 59 of their 60 trails are open, and you've got all six lifts open as well. It's the Stay and a Pray once again. Actually, the last event uh, listed here on the website. Saturday, it's the Banff Brewing Company doing the Stay and a Pray Saturday evening from 4 to 5. You do have to register for this one, so check out the Norquay website. You can also check out the Starlight Dinners at the Cliff House Bistro Saturday. That's going to be beautiful. And they got the Rail Jam going to if that's your cup of tea at lake louise you're going to want to head to the temple lodge this saturday and the next few saturdays for djs snow volleyball and all sorts of fun that's a temple lodge on the back side of the mountain the lake louise big mountain challenge is also back for the 19th time they got a 41 to 50 inch packed powder base 134 of 164 trails open in all 11 of their lifts finally castle mountain five of six lifts are open all 94 trails. They got about an inch of snow in the last 24 hours here, and they got the usual fun events this weekend. Live music in the T-Bar Pub Friday night featuring Bridget Yarwood Band. It's Jersey Day Saturday, so wear your favorite sports team's jersey. And then on Sunday, the usual environmental scavenger hunt, and of course, trivia night, movies, the theme this Sunday, that Ooh. at Castle Mountain. And that is the Snow Show brought to you by Ski West with Calgary's largest selection of gears and expert staff. Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington Airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. Terrific stuff, uh, Maddie. Straight ahead, uh, Brendan Parker, Flames TV host. And uh, we'll give away some KISS tickets. Into the road. It's the world tour. I believe the Flames can make the playoffs like I believe in blank. Tickets on sale Friday, 10 a.m. I believe the Flames can make the playoffs like I believe in blank. 960, 960, name and location. Maybe we'll mix in a phone call or two, and we'll also do Canada's number one radio segment. Will we? Brody on the beat. It's all straight ahead in the 8 o'clock hour. It is already 8 because we're super late. Oh, shocking. But again, uh, we had fun Oscars trivia with... And Anver. What's the guy going to do? Plus, yep. George, time is a fake constraint made by man. It's true. So, like, what do we do? You're right. Is it really relative? Uh, we will ponder that during the break. It's the big show. <laughs> Ruskin Rose Sports at 960 The Fan.